Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 327 and it is Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? That's right. And joining us live in the Codex Prime Zoom studios, we have a member of one of the most prominent uh, families in all of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary people nationwide and worldwide, please give it up and and throw your ones in the air and acknowledge Mr. Lloyd N-O-Y-E. Welcome, sir. Hey, good to be here. Here we go. (laughs) The ones up. Thank you guys for having me on your podcast and... uh, you're live and you know uh, let's do it let's let's answer some questions and get it done <laughs> yeah. first of all, i do ha- i do have to tell this story how like how this came to be so uh back in october i was down in uh baltimore i was actually uh we decided to me and my family we decided to go to a golden corral of all places after my father's funeral hence why i was all dressed up that day so I'm, we're walking out, and next thing you know, I just look, and I'm like, what? Like, I'm saying this like I know the people. <laughs> so I had to be the I had to be the fair boy, ask him for a picture. So he was in the middle of eating, and I know, like, celebrities aren't really cool with that. So I just kind of left it alone. So my sister's saying, like, oh, who is that? I'm like, oh, that's Lloyd out of Hawaii. He's to simply, she's not a fan. So I'm like, oh, that's The Rock's cousin. Did you tell him about your podcast? I'm like, nah, he's in the middle of eating. and I didn't want to bother him. She went back in there and gave her one of my business cards and started talking. I'm like, all right, let me get her. Let me go get her and stuff. And then we end up connected. Boy, it was, it was yeah. so cool. From that. And I believe I, I sent my son out to get a picture for you, right? Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, yes, I remember that very well. Yeah, and I'm just like, that, like, yo, I probably committed one of the things that, like, wrestlers hate the most about fans. <laughs> nah, it was all good, man. It was all good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. So, um, y'all, um, so yeah, now I got that part out the way. Um, y'all ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay, so, uh, Lloyd, what was your decision to get into the family business of wrestling? Man, I get this so many times, and but I, every time it's a little different because, uh, you know, as I as I think about it, I, I add a little more to it and everything. And uh, but uh, it, it was it was easy. I mean, it was it wasn't easy, but it was. You know what I mean? Because you know, when I was young, I really didn't look at wrestling like it was. I just saw my dad and my uncle and my 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 brother wrestling, and I was like, oh wow, this is cool. But as I got a little older and started going to the events and and all this stuff, I started liking to see. You know, I started seeing wrestling in a different eye, and then started going and training in my dad's backyard, and then. When we moved to uh, Whitehall, Pennsylvania, in Allentown, uh, when we opened the gym, that's when I really started, you know, helping them train the students and started getting more into wrestling. And I was about 15 years old at that time. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, any, like, crazy childhood stories from, uh, from your time, you know, growing up as, you know, legend, you know, the son of WWE Hall of Famer and legend, Alpha Anawai and the nephew of Sika, like, any... And feel free to throw your cousins under the bus, too. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you know, we ain't here to throw anybody under the bus. But, I mean, when I was younger, I mean, I got a lot of good stories. But, you know, when I was young, you know, my dad taught me how to come up and, 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 and respect the business. And, you know, I started from the bottom up. You know, when I was young. When we used to do wrestling shows, my dad used to have a, a company called uh, Trans World Wrestling Federation back in Connecticut. So, I mean, I'm going way back. And, you know, when we were all young, we used to put up the ring at the events and, you know, wrestle and put it right back down. You know, we, we learned the hard way. And, uh, you know, that's how, what I did. I used to go and put the rings up and, you know, then wrestles. And then after that, you know, uh, as I got older, I started hitting the road. My first tour was actually in 1990 when I went to Japan. And I was there for three tours. I ended up staying there for three months. And that was a highlight of my life, man. You know, first time in Japan. And they asked me to stay for three tours. I was I was like, wow, you know, I must be doing something right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool, man. It was awesome. Now, was this New Japan or All Japan? It was a other federation uh, called uh, Wings. 
uh, actually, uh, Victor Quinones that had IWA in Puerto Rico, he was running at that time. And I went over for him. And I ended up doing a show over there for Old Japan as well while I was there. So uh, it was a big experience, you know, over there. And, uh, you know, just learning their style and, and adjusting to their style was something I had to learn. You know, I'm still young, uh, you know, going over there at a young age. But uh, I enjoyed it so much. And, and it's a lot of uh, a lot of traveling, you know, when you get over there. It's not just going to one town and, you know, staying there. I mean, they, we get on the bus and travel eight hours, sometimes six hours, then going back to Tokyo, 12 hours. So it was a lot of traveling, but it was, it was a good experience. Yeah, so who were some of your mentors over in Japan? Oh, man, uh, I mean, Anoki was always one of them. I mean, he was he was the one. I mean, Baba was a great one. But uh, the American guys that worked here in the States but also worked over in Japan uh, that were over like crazy was, uh, you know, um, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> I don't laugh at this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Johnny Ace, and, uh, you know, he was over, like, big time, uh, you know, in yeah, Japan. Really? Johnny Ace over Yeah, yeah. Yeah, him and Shane Douglas, you know, they used to go over there, but Johnny Ace went over there quite a bit. Uh, I mean, there's so many guys that went over there. You know, Abdullah the Butcher, which I was just with him this weekend. Really? He's still kicking. Oh, man, it was awesome to see him, man. He uh, still telling stories, and you know, just to know that he's, you know, remembered everything. I mean, there's nothing that he didn't didn't forget, man. I think he said he was 81 years old, going on 82 years old, and that man doesn't forget anything. Good for him. That's so, uh, yeah. so, yeah, so what was it like, like, training under uh, Appenzika? Like, what did they, um, did they... Obviously, I'm sure you didn't get any special treatments, but did they actually, like, train you even harder to probably try to steer you away from the business? Not steer us away from the business, but to, to let us respect and know the business, you know. So it was more harder on us because, he, you know, of course, your dad or your uncle wants you to do the best you can. And, uh, you know, coming from them being three-time world uh, tag team champions back then for WWF, you know, and, and everything they accomplished, of course, we want to go out there and make sure we're, we're doing things right. You know, we want to, we want to follow that trail, you know? So, uh, it, it was rough, but I, I, you know, I loved it because I'm glad we were trained the way we were, you know, because we respect the business and, uh, you know, some people go out there and say, Oh, we don't want to wrestle those Samoans because they're rough. You know, well, we can be rough, but also, you know, we, we can be as light as a feather, you know, but it's all up to how you want to do it. All right. So tell us about your first match, your first debut match. Wow. It was in Pensacola, Florida. And um, my dad's, you know, we were going down there and doing a show for my Uncle Sika. He was running a federation down in Pensacola, Florida. And my first match was actually against Bob Holly before he was Bob Holly. Yes, yes. Uh, He used to go as a race car uh, uh, driver, you know, like gimmick and in florida and he was living in alabama at that time so i mean nobody knew he was gonna you know be wwe or wwf back then but uh you know he had the back then he used to wear the the brett the hitman heart type trunks the pink and the black <laughs> so you know I, I was like who is this brett the hitman heart looking like you know what i mean but bob was he was great back then man you know I was happy to, you know, be in the ring, but I ain't gonna lie to you. I was blown up. I was scared. I had butterflies in my stomach, <laughs> but uh, it, it came out all right, you know. So uh, right now, me and Bob were great friends, and uh, I respect him so much, man. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, man, you talking about a workhorse? Bob's the one, man. He's a great guy. Yeah, I was just listening to Bruce Pritchard, and he was talking about how, like, how. How great he really was, and I wish like somebody like him would have gotten even further than what he than what he was able to accomplish. Like, yeah, he accomplished a lot of great things, but I think somebody like him, a workhorse like him, who was so steady for that company for so many years, I wish he would have got the proper push that I feel like he deserved. Yeah, well, I mean, he did have the push there, you know what I mean? I just think he was, he stood up for himself, you know? He was the type of person that, you know, he went out there and... uh he was going to do his job no matter what. And I respect him for that. I really do. 
Gotcha. So uh, you had so shortly you had um, after that you had some appearances in the WWF as the Tahitian Savage or Lloyd uh, Lange. So nah, they 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 use so many names, and I'll tell you a story. Uh, I was going off. I was on TV, and I was wrestling against. Uh, let me see. I think it was the one, two, three kid. You know, I was kind of like married on the road to him after that, you know, going on the road, which I was very appreciative. They they let me go on the road, you know, back then. But uh, we were going out there, and I was using the Tahiti Kid at that time. Right. So, you know, everything was cool. And next thing you know, I go out there, and I'm in the ring, and here comes one, two, three kid. And they introduce him. But, but first they introduce me. And they go, hailing from San Francisco, California, weighing in at such and such. And it said, Fred Williams and I put my hands up and I put it down like, oh, am I in the wrong match? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so I went with it and then I went in the back and Tony Greer was the agent at that time. Oh. And he's sitting there laughing. And matter of fact, I just saw Tony and we were just talking about it a couple weeks ago at that luncheon and uh, you know, that they have for the for the legends. And uh, you know, it was something that he had to do because Back then, even today, if you have the same name, they won't put it out there. Like I was doing the Tahiti Kid, it was a one, two, three kid. God. So they had, they weren't gonna change his name. So they went out there and he changed my name on the fly, and I was like, oh man. But I, I was a little pissed off. But you know, after a while, you know, it stuck, and then they changed my name. And uh, but it, it was great, man. I mean, you know, uh, working on the road at a young age back then, I had the opportunity to travel with my family, and uh, you know, it was like. I was with what Yoko and Fuji riding with them, and then uh, with uh, my cousin Keish and uh, you know uh, Ray Mysterio. You know they saw us ride together, so I had the chance to you know be around them and ride on the road with them, and 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 you know be on house shows and all that. So that was great. Yeah. Oh, so you was hanging with BSK at the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. oh, I can imagine how much Jackie was consuming it. <laughs> I wasn't Jane I wasn't doing too much, Jack, you know, a little bit, but I was young and I was just more there, you know, just learning more of the business and respecting the business and, uh, you know, just having a great time, you know, and enjoying time, enjoying life. Yeah. So you end, you actually end up working in uh, Puerto Rico for World Wrestling, for World Wrestling Council and under Carlos Colon. Now, what was that like? Because I, lo- I know that... Um, that the Puerto Rican territory kind of had a dark cloud over over it because of um, the death of Bruiser Brodies. But what was your experience like? To be honest, when I got there, you know, my dad sent me over there because uh, at that time they wanted to do a character on me from WWF, and I wasn't ready. You know, I was young, and I was like, well, let me go somewhere and you'll learn it. So he called Carlos Colon up, and uh, Carlos said, yeah, you know, send him down here. So I went down there, and my uncle was already over there, Uncle Sika. So, you know, it was cool and everything. And, uh, but when I got down there, you know, I was at the airport, didn't know a bit of Spanish. I didn't know who was picking me up at that time. I didn't know who to call. So I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting. And finally, the guy from the office, uh, this guy that, uh, you know, it was head of security and worked for the office, Victor Royal, picked me up and uh, took me to the apartment where my, my, my uncle was. So we were staying together. And uh, it was, I was happy I was there with family. But yeah. uh, after my uncle left, I was like, oh, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm here and I don't know nobody. I ain't got no family here. So I called my dad up and I was like, dad, I'm ready to come home. And he's son, he said, son, just give it three months. And I'm like, no, it's been three weeks and I'm, I'm just ready to go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but then I ended up staying and uh, enjoying the territory. I mean, it was rough. I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, I have a lot of stories about what happened over there, you know, getting mobbed by the fans and getting cut on my arm from a wrestling fan. I mean, there's a lot getting guns put to my head. I mean, oh, got some stories, brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was it was a big learning experience. But I'm going to tell you something. It was one of the best experience I had working for the company because uh, down there it was if you were there wrestling, it was more like WWE in the States because the people enjoy it. They love, they love the wrestling business so much. You know, you know, when you're out there and you're in front of that crowd, especially as you being a heel, a bad guy, and, uh, you know, Bay face is beating the crap out of you. Oh my God. Just the, just the crowd going crazy. You hear that. They, they always go, wow. 
wow and i mean it sounds like it. they can have like two thousand people in the, in the arena and it sounds like ten thousand i mean it's just unbelievable yeah i always heard i always heard that like puerto rico was just a, such a really like huge money-making opportunity like despite you know the dark cloud with brody and stuff but like i i've always heard like the pet like how much passion you know the puerto rican territory was yeah i mean uh at, when I first got there, it was a little slow. I ain't gonna lie; it was the, the crowds weren't that great. Um, and then uh, they bring in uh, Dutch Mantel to be the booker. Oh, and Dutch took over because uh, actually when Dutch came in, you know, the, he I had a, a two bedroom condo over there. I was staying by myself because, like I said, my uncle left. And actually, um, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Sioni's, uh, you know, uh, not Tonga, but. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, Barbarian. Barbarian, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Uncle Barb, you know, his brother was over there. So he was there with us as well. And he ended up leaving, so left me there by myself. And I was in this two-bedroom condo, you know, just by myself. And, you know, Carlos asked me if Dutch could stay there for a little while. So I was like, yeah, no problem. Well, Dutch ended up staying there. And then uh, uh, Kane, Glenn, Jacobs, he came into the territory and, uh, you know, he ended up staying with us, you know, Dutch asked if he could stay there with us. And I said, sure, you know, so it was just the three of us. And then here comes Eddie Gilbert. So Eddie Gilbert, so all three, all, all four of us were in uh, my condo and we were staying there. And that's another great experience I had with the mind that Dutch Mantel, even Eddie Gilbert, it was just, you know, so much to learn. You know, I would sit there at the table with Dutch and he would just, go over, you know, finishes or go over some things to do for the rest of the matches, ask me my idea. And I would like, uh, how about this and this? And, you know, he was like, you know, you got a great brain, you know, you got a great brain for this, this business. And, you know, I was happy that he would take some of my, you know, things that I came up with. And, uh, but Dutch was unbelievable. That man has got a brain on him for the business. And I respect him so much, man. And when he came there, I mean, the houses were drawn i mean we were selling out everywhere uh, thanks to thanks to dutch man and he was he was really you know he was just giving them things that they never seen before and that was just drawing crowds and the angles they were doing down there and always kept me and my partner on top and uh you know we we're always involved in things and it, it was just great man and you know if i could do it over again i would do it over again great uh, so you end up moving over to ECW, which was probably down the street from where you were living half, uh, at that time. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it wasn't far. <laughs> and then that's when you end up going to going uh, under the name L.A. Smooth for the in being a part of the Samoan Gangster Party. So first of all, how did that name L.A. Smooth come about, come about? Well, when uh, they they hired uh, my brother Samu and Maddie. Uh, my cousin, God rest his soul. They hired them, and uh, they came with the names uh, where uh, they came with the Simone Gangster Party because I don't know if you remember back then when they went back to WWE and they were doing the thing with uh, with Keith when he was doing the Fop to uh, make a difference. They were trying to oh, get yeah, yeah. yeah, and so I guess that didn't work out. So then Paulie saw it, and he, you know he asked them to come to ECW. So they were there, and then uh, you know. I came in afterwards, and they already had their names with Sammy Silk, Maddie Smalls, and I was like, hmm, what am I going to come up with? So I was thinking of my initials, Lloyd on Hawaii. I was like, all right, L.A. LA Smooth, and that stuck. So that's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah, what was that ECW run like, you know, wrestling in the the infamous bingo hall? It was great, man. I mean, it was (laughs) – how should I put it? it? It was it was completely different. You know, it was a different type of wrestling. Thanks to Paulie, you know, for bringing EC, you know, hardcore to the wrestling. I mean, I I'm a firm believer that he started that. You know, uh, because it, if ECW was around, it wouldn't have been that much hardcore like like he put on the table. You know, and uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling. I actually wrestled for them a long time ago when I first started in the business. Eastern oh. Championship Wrestling when Todd Porter owned it. Okay. So I'm actually, if you want to consider an original, along with the Sandman, and, uh, you know, we were there years and years ago. I mean, man, I'm talking back in the late 
eighties, nineties. I mean, you know, like late eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that, long. I, I did not know. Um, yeah. So Paulie's been with the family for years. You know, now I know we we probably have some newer fans listening and watching. Um, but doesn't Paulie go back with you, go back farther than that with your family? Like his ties with your family? Yeah, I mean, uh, he goes way back with my dad and my uncle years ago, you know, when he was doing photography and, and, and you know, uh, I believe he was aging, uh, you know, wrestlers at that time, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he actually was my my brother and my cousin's uh, manager when they were uh, in WCW as SST. So, and then, and then he, look, he's still with the family, with Rome and everything. So he's been with us, you know, quite a bit of years. And I have nothing but respect for that man because, uh, like I said, he's another one that has a brain for this business and uh, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. I just always considered him like a mad scientist of pro wrestling. Yeah. He just had that brain, but he's just so extreme with it. And he always just took those chances. And I was just, uh, he just had that mad scientist vibe, but he had that great mind in the business. So that's how I kind of relate to it. So uh, you end up returning and getting signed to the WWF in 1998. Yeah, WWE at that time, yeah. So did you work in their developmental? I believe it was Heartland at the time? No, actually we went, we signed and we went, you know, we were on the road. I mean, but before that, they actually had us go up to the gym and get back in shape. And they wanted us to be called the New Age Samoans, where they wanted us to be, you know, not so big. They wanted us in shape. So we go to Stanford and work out. And uh, that's actually when I first met Kurt Angle, because he just started training at that time. So, right. uh, you know, we go up there. And then, you know, after that, we were going on the road and they were going to start us, you know, on TV. So we were, you know, going to TV and, they would say, all right, we're going to debut you guys today. And then all of a sudden they change their mind. You know, that's how it is. You know, they got other things that they do that they change and do everything. And then we did some house shows and stuff like that. Uh, but when it was time to come to uh, start us and, you know, uh, debut us, uh, things didn't go right. So they kind of put us on the back burner. And then after two years, uh, you know, we weren't, you know, doing anything else with the company. But then, uh, after a while, I was supposed to go back, and I was a little upset about what happened, you know, with them not using us right. So, uh, you know, I was supposed to go back, and uh, and they were supposed to go to Pensacola, Florida. I'll never forget it. And they had Maddie go in, and then that's when I didn't go. So they had my cousin uh, Eki go in, and they were there, and they tagged up. And my uncle Seekers pulled them down there, and before you know it, they re-signed Matt, and they signed Eki as a three-minute warning. Oh, yeah. Oh, you would have been. Oh, that would have been brutal. He was part of that. Um, I'm proud of, you know, my whole family, you know, how, what they accomplished and how, you know, there's no, you know, madness or anything. You know, it, it's just pure, you know, love for everybody that made it in this wrestling industry. You know, uh, I, I I see myself as probably not making it as big as a lot of my family members did. But I'll tell you what, I've did a lot in my 36 years of wrestling, going on 37 years. I've been all around this world. I wrestled for, uh, you know, WWE, ECW. I worked in uh, Germany, Italy. I mean, I've been all around this world and, you know, ended up in Qatar. Now I'm there, you know, uh, QPW heavyweight champion. Uh, won the belt against uh, um, RVD and uh, a guy named uh, Bambi the Killer. He's from Europe over there. He's like a Hulk Hogan over there. Great guy. Yeah. Since he was 15 years old, yeah. And Alberto Del Rio. So we were in a four-way, and uh, I ended up beating Rob Van Dam and covering him and becoming a champion. So, nice. That's what's up. So tell us about the formation of WXW. Formation of WXW. WXW has been around for years. My dad has had WXW since we lived in Pennsylvania. And it was one of the hottest, if not the best, independent pro wrestling companies around in the eastern, you know, in Pennsylvania and all around. Because we bring in so many talent, you know, Vince would help my dad and bring in talent where we had 
what we used to do is called, uh, is, is a big festival they do down in Allentown and uh, Sports Fest. And my dad did it every year. And the one year we had where we had Dwayne Rock, uh, Mark Henry, Owen Hart, and D'Lo Brown came in. And then also we had um, Bushwhackers, everybody. And we, I mean, we sold that place out. There had to be easy 10,000 people out there. And, uh, you know, WXW has well known. And now my dad's still running WXW out of uh, Mineola, Florida. And, uh, you know, he's still going strong. Good. That's good for him. So, and you was involved in Vix and Big Movie Guys. So he uh, he probably would want to, like, ask more on this. But you was involved in Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky's uh, The Wrestler in that locker room scene where some of the indie wrestlers were, uh, you know, exchanging PEDs and whatnot. Uh, yeah, tell us about that uh, about that experience working on the wrestler. I, it was cool. You know, actually, my dad actually trained Mickey work for the movie. Yeah, what was that like? Uh, Mickey was cool, man. Actually, I did a couple of days. I trained him myself, you know, just a couple of days out of that time he was training. And Mickey was a great guy, man. I, I'm, I'm glad they got him for the movie because he fit perfect for it. Yeah, he had that. Yeah, he had that look too. Like as, yeah. as what the character, you know, the Randy the Ram character, like what you would, what you would expect him to look like. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know that it was actually supposed to be Nicolas Cage. We started training Nicolas Cage. My dad started training him first. Really? Yeah, and then he pulled out because I guess they had him do uh, National Treasure Number Two. Yeah. So, you know, he had money invested in that. So he went and did that. And, of course, and then uh, Darren, you know, looked for somebody. And I guess they came up with Mickey Rourke and gave him that second chance, you know, to prove himself, you know, because we all know he was going through some stuff back then. So, uh, but I think he proved himself and more. You know, he was great. Great for the movie. And he was just a good person in general. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, tell us about the, um, the Usos Foundation. Well, that's something that my dad came up with, you know, something that we can help, you know, kids get off the street and, uh, you know, do things with their life if they like wrestling. So my dad came up with the Uso Foundation to help the kids that uh, wanted to get into wrestling or, like I said, keep them off the streets. And uh, what we do is uh, give them a scholarship to become a professional wrestler or a referee or a manager or whatever they prefer they wanted to be in professional wrestling. And uh, that was something that was great, man. I mean, there's so many kids that had scholarships that came through, uh, you know, uh, the, the Wild Samoan Training Center. And uh, there's something I'm so proud of my dad of doing, you know, and that's something that as Samoan people, you know, we always want to help people and, and do something to help anybody. and. Uh, you know, I just, um, my dad's blessed, man. He's he's always doing something to help charity or, or to help anybody. And we're all the same way to do that. So uh, that foundation is something that's dear to my dad's heart, dear to all of our hearts. And uh, I'm just glad that he he did that to help a lot of people, you know, get out of the street or whatever. They were getting in trouble or whatever and make their way into professional wrestling. Yeah. And is it still going today? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we haven't did it in a while, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, you know, start it back up and, you know, give some more people chances. Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, also, okay, your father has trained like a plethora of talent that's been, you know, in and out. I know Batista was definitely one of them. Oh, yeah. So, and I know you possibly had a helping hand with training, uh, training Batista and seeing the, Mega star that he is now. Uh, what was that? What was that like training him? If you remember, Batista was just a monster. When he came to us, man, he was like a bodybuilder at that time. He was huge, and it was hard to work with him because he was, should I say, real like stiff with body. Yeah. But as he loosened up, he became, you know, he became used to it. And uh, I worked a lot with him, and uh, you know. Before I started working with him, he actually tore his uh, tricep, and he was out for a little while. And then when he came back, I was uh, working with him, and my brother was working with him. We all did, but I, I worked a lot with him, you know, uh, trying to do big man style with him. And 
he was he was you know he was coming across but he he didn't want to work with nobody you know he didn't want to train with nobody except for us you know my dad or my brother or myself uh because he wanted to get trained the right way so i respect him for that and uh it was funny because when we were on contract uh at that time uh you know the office called and uh my dad talked to them they told him about you know they had a big guy that he had a big guy and uh he liked vince to see him so the office called up and they asked me to come down with them at that time so we went down there and uh put it on in front of the office right there and next you know on the way back uh they called him up and they actually overnighted him his contract wow I was as fast as I've ever seen somebody get signed. <laughs> <laughs> so were there now were there any other um, uh, famous scenes that you remember working with that has come through the Wildsmore Training Center? Yeah, I mean we got uh, Billy Kidman came through our our training center. We we trained him. Um, Gene Snitsky. Yeah. You know, mean Gene Snitsky. Uh, uh, just so many more that went not even just for WWE, but went to WCW, you know, uh, we've trained quite a bit of people. And, um, back in the days, actually my dad helped a lot of guys like junkyard dog, even Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, when they were you know, in there, you know, when they were wrestling at that time, even, uh, Michael Hayes of Freebirds, you know, and they're still today to the, you know, best friends, great friends. And, uh, my dad had a lot to do with a lot of people's, uh, careers and helping them and uh you know it, it's a blessing like i said it's it's just great to help people and, and and get them going yeah now who trained your dad and your uncle oh man years ago i i believe my dad was telling me that there was a um uh i can't remember his name but it was an older uh, wrestler back in the days because actually uh andre the giant and uncle peter Mavia and uh captain Lou Albano saw my dad and and my uncle were like man you guys are too big to do anything else you know why don't you get into wrestling and that's what got my you know my dad and my uncle into wrestling which uh my dad started first and then he trained my uncle to get into wrestling but it goes way back i i don't remember the name of the person that trained him but uh you know he uh started in the business back in 1970 i believe 7071 well, still involved to this day yes. so so I know, okay, after your brother, uh, Alpha Jr., who went, who went under the name of Manu in the WWE, after his time was up, you two ended up forming the Sons of Samoa. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, he was, uh, you know, after that, I believe he was doing independence, and, and then we got together and, yeah, started doing the Sons of Samoa, and we went to Puerto Rico and ended up winning the tag team titles three times, almost four times, but it was three times we won it. And uh, we spent a lot of time over there and also on the independent, uh, you know, circuit in the United States, and we traveled all around Germany, South Africa. We actually are still the tag team champions of South Africa as well. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, so, oh, so that answered my other next question, that y'all still active as the Sons of Samoa to this day. Um, now, you were involved in the Hobbs and Shaw movie uh, with your cousin Roman, with uh, The Rock. Uh, were there any other, uh, and you actually posted a clip today. Um, yeah, I was, I was reminiscing because it was good to do the trailer with uh, Bruce T and, and Hobbs and Shaw when we did that, and uh, just we had a blast. <laughs> yeah, were there any other uh, films that you worked on? Yeah, I mean, I did some small parts in some movies, like when uh, I did a, a little small part uh, with my dad in Bonfire Vanities. That's what actually started me liking, you know, and enjoying to uh, do movies and all that. And I did some stuff for Law and Order. I did a few uh, scenes on Law and Order back in the days. Uh, then I did, um, of course, The Wrestler and then uh, the, the vignette, the thing for uh, Hobbs and Shaw. And then also did... Um, I did a commercial actually uh, uh, in Puerto Rico for Toyota. It was a sumo wrestler against a truck, and I ended up doing that, and it showed over there. So that was fun to do as well. But um, I, I got some upcoming stuff coming out. Oh, I just did one in Tampa, Florida. What was it last year? It was uh, the Beast comes out at uh, midnight, I believe, uh, and uh, it was a thriller movie. And I did the ending part, and we're actually supposed to be doing number two soon. Oh, okay. I gotta look. I gotta look out for that one. So, uh, 
Oh no, what you have you ever have you ever seen you remember uh what was it? Uh on MTV. It was Silent Library. Yeah. I actually was on that as a sumo wrestler and the guy had to eat sushi off my body. <laughs> they said that was the grossest one, you know, because you know, they always did some crazy stuff, but he had to eat sushi off my body. And I had a little, you know, microphone in my ear and I could hear the producer saying, wait for the last one. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then the guy thinks he's done. He's looking around and he's looking all over my body. And next thing you know, he thinks he's done. And at the last minute, I lift my arm up underneath my armpit and there's one there and he had to eat that one. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious, man. I had fun doing that, and uh, this guy puked all over my foot, but uh, that's another thing. Oh. <laughs> that's a, that, that, oh, man, that's hilarious. Oh, that's just, uh, yeah, I literally I wrote it down just so I make sure I go on YouTube and find it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, what are you up to now? Getting old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, you know, I was I was wrestling uh, a couple years ago, and then recently, uh, well, about a year and a half, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, kidney failure, mm. and uh, I was on dialysis for a while, and uh, you know, I was going through some hard times. You know, it was rough, and uh, you know, my wife, she was by me one hundred percent, man. She's a blessing in my life because uh, she was telling me, you know, don't worry, babe, I'm going to I'm going to be a donor, you know, and I was, you know, telling her, you know, don't think that way, because if you're not, I don't want you to be discouraged and be upset. She goes, I will. I said, that's why I don't want you to be that way. But uh, as time went on, she took the test and everything. And uh, she was actually my perfect match. That's amazing. She was my perfect match in blood type, everything. And uh we ended up, I ended up getting a kidney transplant on March 28th of this year. Oh, good. Yeah, I do remember, I do remember seeing that. I'm so glad, I'm so glad, like, you made it out. So, uh, but what's next? Well, what's next is to get back on the road, and, uh, you know, uh, I feel great. As it's going on three months now, and, uh, man, I'm, I'm just feeling awesome. I feel alive. I, I'm, I'm blessed, and I thank the good Lord and my wife for giving me a second chance at life. And I'm going to take advantage of it 100%, you know, get myself back together again. I'm out there doing conventions and signings and all that right now. But, you know, sometime soon, uh, you know, I might get in that ring, not full, you know, full time, but, you know, here and there, I, I might get in there and just do a little bit uh, with my brother uh, and the tag team or something like that. Uh, uh, pretty soon, uh, actually, in uh, another week or so, I'm actually going to be going up to New Hampshire and uh, doing uh, part of a video game that I was scheduled to do, and it's got a lot of, you know, superstars in there. Uh, actually, they just got finished doing Rob Van Dam, and they do, they're doing uh, uh, Matt Cardona, and then I'm next after that. And it's a uh, it's a game that they've been wanting to do for a while, and they're just finishing up. So I'm gonna go up there and do some of the, the mocaps that they have to do, and uh, you know, get all the things I have to do uh, to uh, get this started. And so what game is this? Uh, it's called, uh, um, uh, man, uh, you got me on that one. <clears throat> I can, I'm going to send it to you. Okay. I, 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 yeah. I'm going to put it on, uh, you know, I'll send it to you and then you can look it up. Uh, and there's quite a bit of guys that, that signed, even uh, Kurt Angle signed on it. He just oh, did okay. his, well, yeah. So it's something that, uh, they've been doing for a while and finally I'm up. So. I, I told them I could do a lot, but I could do a little bit less if they need me to because uh, <laughs> you know me still healing. But you know I, I I'll be all right. You know they just need the moves and certain things I need to do, and I'm I'm looking forward to doing it, man. I'm really psyched for doing that. All right, so uh, there's a couple of um, holes that I kind of need to figure out when it comes to the Anawai family tree. Um, so I know that how is okay. Just uh, how is Jimmy Snooker related to y'all? Through marriage. Okay. So, which makes Tamina through marriage. Now, how about Haku? Haku has been, you know, he's from Tonga, but he's family because he's been around my my dad, my uncle, and my uh, auntie, my uh, 
uh, Peter Maivia and all those for years. He started with them back in Hawaii and New Zealand and all that. So, you know, we call him Uncle Haku. He's family, and uh, that's all that matters. Okay, yeah. I know all about that. Uh, it was one, two, one. Sean Maluda, young cruiserweight. Yeah, Sean Maluda is actually uh, related to us from uh, my dad's, uh, my, my stepmom. That's her nephew, and uh, he started in wrestling business. My dad trained him as well, and uh, that's how he's related to us. Gotcha. All right, all right. So then I pull that. And now, so I, I read on, I read on Wikipedia, and obviously Wikipedia is now 100% right. Um, that Peter Maivia and I believe Afanasika's father, they were blood brothers. Yes. So how was that like? Because I know it's not like how it was in ancient times where they would cut each other's hands and shake or whatever. But I know, I'm sure it's something different in Samoan. Any way you can describe how that, how that process is? Well, I mean, blood brothers, I mean, yeah, I know uh, he was in Western Samoa at that time. And uh, in order to get into American Samoa, you know, uh, my grandfather had to, you know, try to get him over there. So they're related, you know, through that and they were separate but uh you know they called their blood brothers uh from you know different islands should you say <laughs> okay so that ties that up um yeah okay so that's pretty um first a little bit of the current stuff all right which side do you want romans or jimmy's <laughs> we see this oh, tension in the family <laughs> that's kind of hard man you know uh First of all, you know, I, I'm not too happy about how it's going down, even though it's a storyline, but, you know, we're a tight family and uh, you never want to see something like this happen. Of course, it's, 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 fans love it. Uh, it's a hell of a storyline. I mean, one of the best in years. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't want to see it, but, uh, you know, Roman's on top and I don't think he's going nowhere. Uh, all right. So you got any, you know, some funny, you know, family stories, some funny wrestling stories that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I got, I got a lot of wrestling stories. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's times where, you know, in the ring, you know, certain things happen and, you know, you laugh. I, I'll never forget. I was, uh, what was it? I was in an independent wrestling show and I was wrestling against, uh, we were in a tag team and they was wrestling with uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and somebody else. <laughs> and, you know, Scotty at that time, you know, love him, man, and God rest his soul, but he was just so hilarious in the ring because you would sit there and you would grab a hold on him and all of a sudden you sit there and you smell and I'm like, what the hell is that? And he goes, he look up and go, you like that one, huh? And man, he just blow you out the damn ring. You didn't want to wrestle no more. <laughs> uh, any, uh, oh, so okay, now yeah, that's a bad, that's a pretty bad rip out somebody during the <laughs> I mean, I had some great times and uh, you know, like in Puerto Rico, there was times where I'll be wrestling. And instead of the fans watching us, they're fight, they're watching two other people in the in the stands fighting against each other. So you know, what do you do? You either continue wrestling or you sit there and you let these guys duke it out. So I would sit there and the guy was wrestling. I grabbed him in a rear chin lock and he tried to get up. I said, "Nope." I said, "We're gonna wait till they're finished and watch them wrestle. Watch them beat the crap out of each other." So we sit there for like ten minutes if it had to be to wrestle until these guys stopped wrestling. It's all right. So once they start fighting and finish fighting, then we can do our job. Uh, that's hilarious. So, who are some of your favorite opponents? Oh, man. Uh, in the States, I, I used to love working against uh, Sean. Kid, uh, one, two, three, kid, Xbox. And I was working with him, uh, Marty Gennetti. I asked a uh, good moment with Marty Gennetti. And um, on the independent circle, I, I, I wrestled so many guys, you know, and uh, man, it's. It's hard. I, I think I enjoyed working against the older generation that I worked had an opportunity to, like uh, Junkyard Dog and King Kong Bundy, you know, because it was so easy to work with them and it was so easy to pop the crowd and learn experience to wrestle with these guys. And it was just an experience you can never, you never take back. It was great. Uh, that's amazing. Vic, you got any uh, questions? I kind of ran through mine already. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, yeah. Throughout your throughout your long career, uh, Lloyd, uh, what would you say was uh, in your mind the the best match you've had in your career, or like the match that you look back on most fondly? I was like, wow, man, like I did that. There's quite a bit of times that, you know, I had some great ones. But to be honest, uh, it was great when I used to tag team up with my older brother, Samu. That was like a highlight because I always looked up to my older brother and to just be with him in the ring and watch him and, you know, the way he did things, like I idled it. So it was like I was just so happy to tag up with him. And uh, also... Uh, another time, you know, actually to tag up with my dad as well, it was something that I would cherish for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and and throughout your and throughout your time wrestling, uh, what would you say was uh, the perhaps the toughest audience that you've that you wrestled in front of? I know you've mentioned like your experiences in Puerto Rico. Um, um, like, but what was the time where where you were wrestling with, with an opponent, and then for some reason, like the the cr- the crowd was just like 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 you had to put in more work to like get the fans engaged or like into your match or riled up. Japan, because they're so quiet. You know, when you're in Japan and you do something, you think that it, you know it's gonna pop the people, and uh, next thing they're just sitting there and they go ooh or they'll clap. So if you get them to actually scream or do something, you're you're doing your job is crowd to actually work in front of but after a while you know you got used to it you know hearing the claps and if you did something good they would actually do the woo and the clap at the same time mm-hmm. so you was like that was your big highlight all right i got them the woo and clap at the same time <laughs> but uh that was kind of the hardest uh you know crowd to get i mean they were there but to get in uh in a pop out of them or you know to to get screams and all that like they do in the states you won't get that out of Japanese people. Now you will, but back then it wasn't like that. Mm. Yeah. Your yeah. favorite territory? I would say Puerto Rico. Definitely, definitely Puerto Rico, man. It was great to work there, man. Uh, so many memories, so many great matches I had out there with, uh, you know, guys. Uh, I actually, you know, with the Young Bloods, that was one of my highlights working with them. Uh, you know, everybody's wrestled against uh, the Young Bloods back then, and I had the opportunity to work, wrestle against them in uh, Puerto Rico, and it was one of the greatest matches, one of the greatest matches I think I had as a tag team match. Uh, you know, working with the guys from Puerto Rico, like uh, this guy named Ray Gonzalez, I had some some crazy matches with him. I mean, we would go 20, 30-minute time limits. And then... Uh, you guys remember there's a kid uh he was actually gonna he was with wwf at that time wwe um he's out of chicago i'm trying to think of his name uh can't think of his name right now but uh i actually did an angle with him in puerto rico where we would do a 20 minute broadway where nobody would win and we did it the second time so then carlos wanted us to do 30 minutes the next time nobody won so we ended up doing a big show where we had to do over 30 minutes we ended up going 46 minutes and i mean no air conditioning in the building uh my my trunks were actually so wet they were hanging off me and it was something that you know uh (laughs) it's on youtube actually uh and uh you know you can just see the the guy i mean he was supposed to be in shape and here i am being like at that time, I think I was like 275. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was at, at his prime. And this kid was blowing up, and I'm just making him work, and I'm making him work. And he didn't want to go no 45 minutes, but I made him go over 45 minutes. And that was another match that was, you know, a highlight for me, you know, because who who really can go besides Ric Flair? There's a lot of people. But, I mean, back then, Ric Flair was the one that would do a 45-minute to an hour match. I'll never forget with him and uh, Ricky Steamboat Dragon, you know. So uh, I was actually happy that I was able to go after uh, you know, past 45 minutes, you know, as, you know, being 275 pounds and going out there and, you know, wrestling in this, this building that had like, I think it was like five or 6,000 people in it and with no air conditioning. So you're talking about, it's like 120, 130 degrees in there. Yes. And, uh, it was unbelievable, but we did it. We did it. Man. It was Kevin Quinn. 
I don't know if you remember Kevin Quinn out of Chicago. I don't, but I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look him up, and I actually, and I'm gonna look up. He's actually supposed to start. Uh, he was supposed to do a gimmick with uh, Two Pool back when they first started, and he didn't. They were gonna do the, like this queer gimmick type thing, and he didn't want to do it. So I guess they got rid of him. So he came down to Puerto Rico, and uh, you know, uh, that was it. He stayed down there, and uh, poor guy. I love him to death, but I ended up breaking his uh, eardrum twice. <laughs> I did it one week, and then the next week I went out there and I did the same damn thing. And he goes and he's holding his ear. Oh, you did it again. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he was he was a nice guy, man. Just that you had to, you had to put a fire on his ass to get him going. Oh, man. That's good. So what were some of your worst injuries? Probably to myself, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, you know, uh, I remember when a hyper actually one of my injuries I did was working against the Steiners. Uh, you know, Scotty got me up on it. I'm mean, actually Rick got me up on his uh, his shoulders, and you know they used to do the finish where they come off with the DDT off the top of his shoulders. Right. So and Scotty came off and grabbed me, and we went down. My leg got caught on the top rope going down, and hyper extended my knee. Oh. So I'm out there, and the next day. Um, you know, at that time, Chief J. Strongbow was in charge of him and Slaughter. Uh, and they were like, uh, kid, you can't go out there and work. And my dad looked at me and said, son, you know, are you okay to work? I said, I'm ready. He goes, I said, I'm not, you know, I'm good. So I was supposed to work with the smoking guns. And I went out there and wrapped my knee up. And believe it or not, I went out there and you never know I was hurt. You know, just that adrenaline goes and, you know, you're out there in front of, the, you know, 10,000, 12,000 people. And, uh, you know, you just... You know, you like it kicks in and you don't feel nothing. But after you go and uh, hit that, uh, you know, get in that locker room and uh, you know start pulling down, then you start feeling it again. <laughs> and uh, I tore my let's see with Loki. He was wrestling against my brother at the time, uh, Alfred Junior. For yeah. WX, for my dad, and uh, we did a thing where I ran out there and you know uh, tried to save my brother, and I. I shot, I shot uh, low key into the, to the ropes and I gave him a power slam. But when I went over, my hand hit the mat and it slid. And I got up and I felt like I busted my shoulder. And here it was. I ended up tearing my pec and my bicep muscle. Didn't even know it. Oh, so uh, that was a that was a pretty bad injury. I was actually not. I was still wrestling, but I was trying not to. But uh, I ended up, uh, you know, healing up. And me and my brother Samu ended up going out to Detroit and wrestling. So I, you know, I was feeling a little better, you know, and I went and clotheslined the guy instead of with my left, I hit him with the right, the same one where I tore my pec and re, and re, you know, injured it again and ended up tearing it a little more. So kept me out of the ring for a little bit, but, uh, that, that one was a killer. Mm. Oh, I haven't been about a good year, a good year to be out, something like that. Not even, not even. Believe it or not, I was, you know, I worked around it. You know, it, I, my arm and my pec was not even purple; it was black. I mean, it was colors I'd never seen before, and I just let it heal on its own. I should have got surgery, but I didn't. I just let it heal, and to this day, if I flex here, I can feel a knot in my chest, Ooh. and it's. You can feel the muscle where it's rolled up in there, you know, and it's been like that for years now. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm monitoring time. Anything, anything else you got, Vic? Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving forward, what would you say would be like your some uh, perhaps dream opponents, like uh, people that you've always wanted to work with for some time, but just never had a chance to for whatever reason, but someone you would just want to mix it up in the ring with in the future? I don't know if it'll be in the future, but there's one opponent I always looked up to and I wanted to get in the ring with him was Bret Hart. Mm. The hitman. I mean, everybody's dreaming to wrestle against Bret Hart and it was something whether I went in there and, you know, did a job for him, whatever, it was just a dream to get in there and work with him. Mm. Yeah, Bret's a hell of a guy, man. I, I love his, love the family, you know, uh, Owen, you know, when I was young, they always looked after me in the locker room as well. So, you know, I respect Brett and the whole family, but uh, Brett's a hell of a guy. And that was something that I really wanted to do is just get in there and lock up with him just one time. Mm. Uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, the excellence of execution. Yeah, one of the all-time uh, greats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brad's got to have his match. But, yeah, Lloyd, we, got, we can uh, wrap this up because we know you have uh, some things to get to. Lloyd, thank you so much for taking the time out to join our show. Um, hey, I appreciate you, man, and I appreciate, uh, you know, meeting you the time that we did in order to do this, man. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to do this again, just let me know. We can do it. We can talk about anything. We can talk about other people. We can talk about whatever you want, man. I enjoy, uh, you know, you guys are good people, and uh, I respect you, and, uh, you know, especially that day we met, man, it was, I know it was a little weird for you, but it was all right with me, man, you know, I was happy that I did meet you, and I told my son after he left, I said, man, I, that guy's all right, man, he's cool, man, I, I didn't mind at all you interrupt me eating and nothing, nothing like that, so it was, it was good, man, and I'm, and I'm glad we, we had the chance to, to meet. Oh, man, thank you so much, I mean, sorry, I mean, the whole lot, and uh, if you have a you're going in you're going to New Hampshire. Rhode Island, we're in Rhode Island. We're literally on the way. So you wanna stop by, put you on some good seafood and Oh yeah, yeah. Rhode Island's my spot now. I used to take my wife down there for Mother's Day. We used to go down there and stay down there for the weekend and uh we'd go downtown and eat uh, you know, raw oysters and clams and all that. So man, I miss that place. So I definitely gotta come back down there and we'll definitely hook up. Yo, we got you. That's all I'm going to say is we got you. All right. all right. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that in the head, dog. All right? All right. No, there's no problem at all. Uh, tell, the, tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me under Lloyd on Hawaii. On Instagram, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Twitter. On Instagram, you can find me as uh, Lloyd on Hawaii, Great Alofa. Uh Facebook as my name, Lloyd on Hawaii, and, uh, you know, hit me up. You know, I, I'm always willing to answer questions or just, you know, have people, you know, tag and like things that I put on there. And, uh, you know, it's always good to keep up with, uh, you know, the wrestling base and the fans and all that. That's something I really enjoy, you know. And that's why I like to do these signings that I'm doing, you know, these conventions, because it's so good to interact with the fans and, you know, have them talk to you and ask you questions and sign autographs for them. And that's I love it. So, uh, yeah, hit me up and I'll see them at the next convention that I got. I'll be in North Carolina as well. I'm going to be at the gathering in August the 3rd to the 6th. And also I'll be at the WrestleCade in November. So, uh, you know, come see me. Oh, in Philly. I'll be in Philly uh, at uh, Hamburg. At the and and also I think I'm at Icons uh, on July first. Oh, interesting! You have it. You busy? Yeah, I'm trying to stay busy, man. You know, uh, <laughs> good Lord is blessing me, so I got to take advantage of it. I know that's right, yeah. sir. All right, but uh, thank you, Lloyd. Um, say we've uh, put a pin on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's great having you on the show. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime, and uh, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, have a, have a good rest of your day or evening. Hey, I appreciate you, man. It was yeah. good meeting you. And, uh, yeah, let's do this again. Let's uh, let's chop it up again. Yeah. Oh, sure. definitely. All right. All right, Lloyd. All right. Yeah, take care. All right. Take care, guys. Peace out. All right, All right bro. Yes, sir. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was this was this was a, a dope interview. It was great hearing his experiences um, in the business. And, yeah. Yeah, we should definitely have him back on again for sure. Um, oh, it's happening. I'm going to make sure it's happening. Uh, we can honestly say we have a member, we have a true member of the Bloodline. Hey. Yep, acknowledge him. <laughs> so, so, yeah. We had a on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, um, see, let's see. We're coming up about an hour, hour into our show. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up here, uh, Carl. Let's see, let's see add some, some things you've been up to uh, or whatnot. Before you get on up, uh, baby's crying. Nah. <laughs> so I gotta, you know, attend to that. But of mm. course, you know, I want to give a shout out to uh, our two sponsors, the Rhode Island Midnight Basketball League. There's still time to sign up. There's still spaces available. Uh, all you gotta do is just go to www.rimbl.net so you can sign up. And then also, they start July 11th at the Kent County YMCA. And then also our second sponsor, which is going to be Culture Fest, that's going to be taking place at June 30th, from June 30th to July 2nd at the Southside Cultural Center of Rhode Island. 
on Broad Street. So make sure you come out, come out, show some, show some support. There are volunteers needed. They do need volunteers. So you definitely want to, if you want to, you know, add some names to your network and your resume, that's definitely the place to do it. So yes, um, we'll be posting the, we'll be posting the link and the, uh, and the flyer if you want to volunteer. Uh, great to have it. Great to have the mass sponsors. Uh, what you got, Vic? Yeah, right on. And uh, yeah, and as always, uh, y'all can catch our, our episodes on Facebook Live uh, every Tuesday evening around 8 p.m. ish Eastern. Uh, we're also on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, um, wherever, whichever favorite podcasting platform of your choice is. Uh, just just uh, search for Codex Prime Podcast and you can find us. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Codex Prime Cast and Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast. And you can also right. email the show at Codex Prime Podcast at gmail.com. All right. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to take off because I got to heal up a bit. You know, I've been feeling a little under the weather, but I'm glad I was still able to be. I wasn't going to miss this interview for my life. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess that's about it. I guess yeah. I'll steal your line. We'll catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.